0: Let's go to Matthew this morning and our time together in the word of the Lord. Matthew 27. I'll let you remain seated for the reading of the word, but let us honor it. Verse 20, or chapter 27. I'd like to begin reading at verse 33. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, this is to say place of a skull, they gave him, meaning Christ, sour mingled, sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, that which was spoken by the prophet. By the way, this is Psalm 22:18. all the way before many centuries. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Verse 36, this is the text I want to read today for my point. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. That they has never been numbered, but it could be in hundreds, even thousands. Father, what a sacred moment. I just cannot believe, Lord, through the years you placed a call upon my life. But I thank you. And I pray, Lord, that your voice, your word will be heard this morning. Be glorified in it, in Jesus' name, amen. I know that verse 36 of our reading is in reference to the Roman guards primarily with orders, of of course, to guard the man on the cross, especially the one on the center cross. Watch the executioners and see that things go in proper order according to Roman law. But if you read further, you'll find some words like they and some and you can begin to see that there were many more people, even a large crowd, that watched the crucifixion of our Savior. I don't think it's unusual for people to watch great tragedies of Earth. I know that here, a couple of decades ago, some odd, we literally brought war into our living rooms via via satellite. I never saw anything like that before. And crowds go and, and, and attend tragic things. I want to share with you though that when we see the cross and the crucifixion of our Christ, this is different. This is a different crowd, a strange crowd. If if we could view the scene in a personal way today in a picture, each of us could probably search and find our own counterpart in that assembly. Because we all approach things in different ways. This is Passover time. So Jerusalem is extremely crowded at this event. At the time of Jesus' death, historians tell us that the city normally had approximately 50,000 population. But at Passover, this population could number between 150, even in excess of 200,000. So this is a large crowd. The Jews, the Greeks, the barbarians all come to P-R-E-Y, prey upon this crowd for trade, yet here perhaps thousands are gathered around the cross. I say a strange crowd, yet they're so typical. It's strange not because we are crucifying, putting to penalty an innocent man, and it's not strange because just a uh, few days prior favor had changed. For favor quickly changes sometimes. How many know that you can be a hero and five minutes later be a villain? (laughs) But it's strange because this is one of the points I want to make this morning. Look at all the prophetic word for three to 4,000 years prior to this event. Keep that in mind. The prophecies, numerous, hundreds of them, And it comes to view and to fruition in this particular time. But I say this is a strangeness because of this. It's because of the blindness of those to whom prophecies had been given. Watch this, blindness. This crowd was spiritually, so spiritually blind, they failed to see the very things 40 centuries had taught them. I want to talk about this watching crowd at Calvary and who was there. Number one, there were Roman soldiers. And here they are with glistening swords and power and authority to uphold and execute the law. This to them was perhaps simply just another criminal. Crosses were all across the hilltops all over Rome. They spoke of the speed and the severity of the Roman justice, and they kept that aura so that they could control millions. However, this one, this crucifixion, on the cross was no criminal. He was no potential agitator. This was the very king of glory Dying for the sins of humanity. I want you to know this sentence that is being carried out this day was really no recent indictment of a Roman Sanhedrin court. This sentence that was given and will be carried out had been declared before the foundation of the world. but Roman soldiers were spiritually blinded. Another group is those who were the thoughtless ones, perhaps hundreds of thousands in the crowd. Again, to them, this was just another life and just another life will end. Cruel, bloody, brutal, yes, but in a sense, just another man's end. But I want to share with you, this was not the end of this man's life because this one on the cross is the everlasting God. He said himself, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down myself and finish it that I may take it up again thoughtless people who who read through things and see things and give it very little thought. These thoughtless ones were spiritually blind and had no clue what was taking place. The third group is those that were thoughtful. The thoughtful ones in the crowd, they might have thought and their intellect is phenomenal. Understand them especially if they go back to the Jewish history and this is their celebration. What a terrible way to pervert the Passover. Legalistic minds... Israel's most sacred feast, and now because they so hate this man, they will conjure, they will manipulate, they will form lies, they will do everything in the world, even change the most sacred things because they hate a man so badly. The priests themselves, the priests themselves Those in the hierarchy, in in alliance with Rome's government. Don't kid yourself. The priests were in cahoots with the Roman government. They control the masses. They desecrate their own Passover by by having Pilate declare death at the Passover. Read it. Exodus 12. But I want you to listen. Listen. This was the Passover. This one was the Lamb of God, prophesied, foreshadowed long before. This one was the Lamb represented by the first Passover with blood over the doorpost, placed there by hyssop and every slain lamb in Goshen. And all the blood through 40 centuries slain on Jewish soil, was pointing to this lamb. Thoughtful ones. And I like to think of it like all the smoke of sacrificial fires for 40 centuries. Since Abel's sacrifice at the Garden of Eden, all the smoke of sacrificial fires now gather in a cloud that they may gather to hide the Christ from his father on crucifixion afternoon. And even the thoughtful ones were spiritually blind. A fourth group is some of the crowd were people that loved him. Mary and the other women we know of and John and the other disciples. Even Peter, though, he was now over far away at the edge and he was like so many people at that time, just enough religion to feel religious, but don't be a fanatical, don't be marked with the main number because you don't know which way things may go. All those people loved him. Yet... Most were without a notion that at that moment, though they may have loved him, love is being poured out. Eternity is being secured. Separation from God is ending. And even the ones who physically and philosophically nail him to the cross may receive the pardon that his priestly sacrifice will provide. They loved him, but they are still spiritually blind. There's a fifth group. There were the appointed priests, the religious leaders Those who are responsible to stand between the masses and the throne of God and administer under specific anointings with logistics and rituals. These were appointed priests. There they were, standing in their logistic, legalistic mindset who despised his ability to question their badge of authority with the common people. But who stands strong today? For ladies and gentlemen, this man on the cross fulfills every prophecy that these priests have taught for years, and he from the cross becomes high priest right in their presence. And even though they're appointed priests, they are spiritually blind. There's another group. It's a Roman senator. I see him with a purple and gold tapered robe. I see him with a gold insignia on his shoulder, denoting the aloofness from the rest of the crowd because he's the political proconsul. He looks upon the cross, and let me use my imagination. You can almost hear his thoughts. Let's see an appointed national leader with authority and the masses really need leadership, which they do. He looks upon the cross, I I want to try to hear him speak. Sometimes it is necessary that a man has to die to ensure that Roman peace be spread to the world. It's unfortunate that a carpenter's son gets in the way of Rome's progress he cannot know that long after caesar's dust has blown halfway across that empire that caesar's tongue along with every other tongue that ever exists will confess that this man on this cross is the Lord of all creation. Even prominent leaders in national places were spiritually blinded they thought his cry to God was delirium. These fanatical religious zealots. And you say, pastor, how do you know? Watch this, scripture tells us. They said something like this. If you will come down off that cross, we will believe. But when he wouldn't, they said, then he can't be Messiah. But young people, mom and dad, generation 2021 in the sanctuary online, please hear me. If they want him to come down, if not, he can't be Messiah. But if he comes down, he cannot be Messiah. divine love, not nails, held our Savior to the cross. And so the crowd watched. Mel Gibson is the only person, I believe, who comes anywhere close to depicting the reality of what Christ suffered, the offering that he gave, the price he paid for you and me. Can I tell you that that crowd watched by the thousands, yet few were moved. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. I think America needs a revival. I think there is spiritual blindness like we've never seen before on the face of the earth. And I think it patterns exactly what happened at Calvary culmination of all those prophecies and everything about it and yet the hearts and souls and minds of humanity are so self-interested and so self-directed and so self-absorbed and they laugh and scorn at anything religious but i'm going to tell you something we are not serving religion we are serving a savior Calvary should have been, listen, follow me, please. Calvary should have been a revival meeting to end all revival meetings. Calvary should have witnessed the greatest repentance in human history, but the majority of the society was spiritually blind. Number seven, there's the last one. And it speaks, and the record speaks of this one man. One conversion. One conversion. Hundreds, thousands, one conversion. It reminds me, I've said many times, Pastor, I, I, I wish the Lord, I wish Paul hadn't written in the New Testament, do all things without murmuring. I just wish you hadn't done that. You remember the Old Testament where it was that Micaiah took a penknife and cut the words out of the scrolls. And I preached a message years ago in the old uh, building down in Bethany called How Big Is Your Bible? Because there's a lot of people today who want to cut things out that they don't like. And a lot of people have a pretty small Bible. But let me just tell you, read the story in the Old Testament, the king said, go put it back. Thank God we have the Word of God. It's amazing. One conversion. I want to look at it closely because it's instructional to us. I want you to keep our worldview in mind. I want you to keep the masses. I believe we're in the last days. I believe the Antichrist is in the offing. I believe the world is a set-up stage for all that we're about to see unfold in what was called the revelation of Christ to John. And it doesn't, it doesn't it depress me, it excites me. Because I have some folk I haven't seen in a long time I'd like to see. I have grandparents and a dad and friends. And I, I like what John said in the last book of Revelation God, let's write it one more time, chapter 22. Let's write it one more time. Let the thirsty come, let them drink. I just want to tell you the invitation's still here. This man caught it in the last of this issue. He was a thief. Look at the instruction. Number one, the thief realized he was guilty and could not pay his own price. Secondly, he realized Jesus was the only answer to salvation. And the cry of that thief to the Christ on the middle cross, remember me, brought Jesus' answer. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And just like that, the shedding blood that was not spilled, not by accident, While the blood poured out of the body of the Christ, that man was able to attach it to his eternity. But how? Here's here's human reasoning. Let me touch society in 2021. The Christ himself, this is human reasoning. We can't get beyond it. And thank God for education, and thank God for learnedness. and thank God for people who have been blessed beyond measure with intellect. But remember Paul before the leader, much learning has made you mad and almost you persuade me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not saved by human intellect. The beginning of wisdom is the knowledge of God. This is human reasoning. Today you will be with me in paradise, but how? Because he himself who spoke that is thirsty without a drink. He is in agony and pain and he is dying. He is in weakness. What strength and power does he have? His strength is ebbing away and his hands and feet are nailed to a cross. What can he do? The human mindset today says unless we can figure it out on a slide rule or a test tube or in some scientific formula. But I want to declare to you without a slide rule or a test tube or a formula, that day that thief became a disciple of Christ. The other disciples who had traveled and shared and witnessed for three years didn't have faith past their human reasoning. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? They believed and dreamed of an earthly kingdom, but they could not comprehend, they had no hint that this faith and this man was gonna develop a heavenly kingdom. But the thief went from blindness to spiritual eyesight. He's a thief. He's a criminal. He's low on the social scale. But he says, cries out, Lord. He saw it. And he receives forgiveness. And he receives sonship. And he has a home in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, God's mercy is immeasurable. There's an old, old country song. I've heard it since I was a boy. Found out this week in looking at it that it it was actually written in 1948, which was two years before I was even hatched, so it's an ancient song. (laughs) Hank Williams was playing in honky-tonks, and he was on the way to Montgomery, Alabama. His mother was witnessing to him, and she was trying to tell him not to leave God out of his life. And she made a statement. And on his way to that place, he wrote a song called, I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more in night. Tell me how it goes. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. That may be an old country tune, but how many of you are glad you did? The crowd watched. The cross that day was made for a murderer, a transgressor or a lawless one. So let me be forward this morning. In a sense, it was our cross too. My mind wonders, I wonder that if he who created the universe, God thought it and he's the one that spoke it and it came into being. I wonder he that created the planets and the sun and the moon and the stars and the rivers. I wonder he who created the grass and the flowers and the trees. I wonder if some days before, while Jesus was traveling in route to make the sacrifice for you and me, I wonder if he sat under a tree, maybe watched a bird fly to its branches, looked at the beauty of its leaves and its making, and perhaps think to himself, this is the tree that in a few months, it'll be the one that will hold my body between heaven and earth as I die. Yet, ladies and gentlemen, young people we are the ones who made that tree he gave his life his gifts his in, gave us life and gifts and income and blessing but we've squandered them in selfishness of sin and in our sin we have formed that cross we also formed the crown that pierced his brow we gathered those thorns on the godless hillsides of our hearts, on lust and pleasures, by our rejection of his kingly claims on our lives, we wove the crown of rejection. We pressed it on his brow. We were spiritually blind. We made the spikes in his hands and his feet, and the deep dark places of our imagination and thoughts where we allowed Satan to rule our hearts rather than us. We actually melted the steel and forged them on the anvil of our wicked selfishness. And we drove them through his hands and his feet by our rebellious hearts. The crowds watched there. And I just wanna say thank God for every bit of the sacrifice that Christ made. But I wanna say more than that. I wanna say today, thank you God for this eternal Word. Much of it, of course, written following, I guess all of it, written after the Christ, John said the Word came and dwelt among us. Today, I am so glad to be numbered among those who see God's divine sacrifice for sin. How many of you are glad you saw the light? Oh Lord, I am so glad to be numbered among those who see God's door back to the holy mountain of promise. And I came this morning online and in this sanctuary delighted to tell you, that there is life in the enlightened look at the cross and the savior and the eternal word of God. There is life in that look. (laughs) And that crucified son of God, I declare again, is the only means by which humanity can come to the throne and be covered in blood through our repentance and settle forever in eternal destiny in heaven. For there is no other name given in heaven and earth among men whereby we can be saved. Say the name of Jesus. You see, so much of what happened back then was unpopular. It didn't fit the society. They didn't want anything to do with all that. But I'm so glad that I know salvation. Pastor, what do you want us to do? Tell you what I want us to do. We're going to the Lord's table and I want us I want us to join that crowd. I want us to join that thief. Let's join that penitent thief. I want to let you remain seated right where you are. I want us to take time online. I want us to take time to examine our souls Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you know we are living in a blind, blind, blind world today? I have never seen a spiritual blindness like there is in the plight of our country this morning. And I'm not a doomsday prophet. I'm not a negative person. As a matter of fact, I'm delighted to see the plan of God, but I am heartbroken for lost souls. And I'm heartbroken for a nation who was built on Judeo-Christian values. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not sure we can say any longer that America is a Christian nation. I could give you some stats that would astound us, but let's not. Let's just examine ourselves. In this sanctuary online, I want you to just ask, Lord, is there anything between me and my Maker? Father, I come to you in pureness of heart, sincerity and sobriety. Father, examine my heart this morning. I don't want to be among all that crowd, though they're so typically human, all of them, with their position, their power, their thoughts, their personalities, their circumstance, with their cultures, God, they missed it. Lord, we're in a society where we're seeing the very end of days come, Lord. The prophecies are being fulfilled. God, we are here, there's an urgency. I pray God, you'd remove a blindness from this present day. Father, may we see. May we have spiritual eye salve, Lord, that you may apply it to us. Lord, for those under the sound of my voice, if they've never come to you, may they plead your forgiveness and accept the covering of your blood and declare Christ, the Son of God, and know what it is, Father, to be twice born. I thank you for it, Lord, as I prayed that prayer today.